I scratched my right arm while trying to feed a bear today. I'm not kidding you, and I think it is bleeding a little bit. I'll tell you more <laughs> how that happened later on. Welcome to the walk. I am currently heading home after a long day of filming, the last day of filming. I couldn't be more excited. I'm close to the city of Arnhem. The sun is setting. I've got a beautiful sunset on my right-hand side. Beautiful orange and blue purple clouds above the uh, fields here. It is a gorgeous environment. This is the town of Wolfhaze. I guess there were wolves here in the past. And this is going to be one of the shortest walks ever. <laughs> Not because this episode is going to be short, but because I am about to step on my bike that I'm currently holding in my right hand. So let me just step up here and let's get going. There we go. I am on my bike. Hello. <laughs> Two ladies are taking pictures with their phones of the sunset. Why wouldn't they? And uh, the reason that I am on my bike is that the sun is almost down and then it gets very dark and I want to be home in time. So preferably while it's still a little bit light. Uh, I can see the train over there. I'm not sure if I have to cross the train tracks or to the right here. I'm not familiar with this environment. Uh, and this is a, <laughs> a bit of an adventure today because this was the last day of filming and it was uh, near the town of Arnhem. I thought, you know what? I might as well ch just take my bike on the map, on Google Maps. It was only about an hour and 15 minutes in total. Let me just cross these train tracks here and boop, 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 boop. <laughs> and another pair of train tracks and then I have to go to the right and it says Renkum so that's exactly where I need to go. Oops I missed the bike lane. We have special bike lanes here. Thankfully they have red tiles instead of grey ones. Grey are per for pedestrians and uh, that's actually uh, quite prevalent here in this part of the country where um, it, it's just the nature is gorgeous you've got lots of forests and hills and plains and uh, lots of people like to to take their bike and just go for a ride here but of course because it's so you know the road goes up and down there are lots of twists and turns it would be dangerous to to bike on the main road um, also because it can get dark here as it is right now so bikes would probably not be as visible uh, during at evening time so they created these bike lanes and I'm taking advantage of it and uh, I think there will be bike lanes for most of the itinerary so when I looked at the Google Maps from the rectory in Wageningen to uh, the place where I was going to film uh, it was an hour and 15 minutes about 20 kilometers um, it is actually quite nice weather-wise. It's not too warm and uh, there was no rain predicted. So I, I just go by bike. I'll just take my camera with me in my small bag. I will forego 
the uh, tripod because I'm filming with Hugo. He's got a big camera. I usually only take my camera for the, um, the B-roll, which is footage that you can interject uh, during interviews, um, cutaways, that sort of stuff, details. So I didn't really have to worry about microphones or, or tripods. The only thing that Google Maps did not show me, and that was a bit of a surprise, was the incredible amount of uh, height of these, of these hills, especially on the way to Arnhem. It just went up and up and up and up. And uh, every once in a while you would go down a slope, but then it would go even uh, more up the hill. And I was exhausted. <laughs> Not to mention that halfway uh, between Wageningen and Arnhem, I got into a big uh, protest parade <laughs> of farmers. Um, because the Netherlands produce uh, too much um, uh, pollution. Our politicians are trying to find out ways to reduce the footprint, the carbon footprint of our country, and they are actually bound to European laws in that respect. One of the ways to do that is to shrink the amount of uh, uh, cattle farmers, and that, of course, got a lot of people uh, up in arms. Well, not really in arms because we are not the United States, but they today they chose today to go protest. And uh, at one point, there were hundreds of tractors passing me by, honking loudly, and then, of course, they're all diesel engines. So I was biking through this big black fog of of smoke and, and exhaust fumes. It was horrible. And then I was also going uphill. So I was already out of breath. And then you're constantly breathing those, those fumes. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that was not a good moment. Anyway, so I arrived exactly in time. We had uh, an appointment at 4 o'clock and like a minute later... I was at my destination, <laughs> completely run down. And then that was only the beginning of the day. Normally we start filming quite early because um, the light is good, etc. But this day we were filming in a very special place where it would be much more convenient to film in the evening hours. And that is where I got hurt for the second time this week, <laughs> like twice, I've injured my arms while filming uh, just two days ago. I was filming in uh, a totally different part of the Netherlands, in Zeeland, and I fell off a bike. In fact, I wasn't even on the bike, but I was stepping onto the bike. We were filming these shots where, uh, at the beginning of the program, I'm, I arrive at my destination by bike. That's kind of the, 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 the idea of the program is that I travel through the Netherlands on a bike because, you know, it's healthy, it's uh, good for the environment and we are a country of bikes, we are a nation of bikes. Um, but usually we film those shots whenever we have a moment where we don't have to interview anyone. So this was at the end of the day 
and it had been reasonably nice weather for most of the day and towards the end of the day it started raining and it was only going to get worse so we were a bit in a bit of a hurry tried to find a kind of a, a rural uh, area outside of the village where we were interviewing people and I was trying to be ahead of the hold on I gotta recenter my that's what I thought and now I have to turn to the left otherwise I'm gonna enter the woods which not gonna be good oh it's already pretty dark here I'm, I don't have my lights on on the bike so again I'm happy that we have bike lanes here they're pretty large so cars know that they have to slow down I'm not even sure these lights still work because the last time I used them was in the winter that's a number of months ago uh, they run on batteries in the past you would have a, like a, a little device that would create friction uh, with the tire and that would generate electricity the problem with batteries is less friction but that you can run out of juice which I think might be the case right now Maybe at the end of this hill. I'm going uphill right now, as you can tell by my heavy breathing. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll still at least try to turn on the the red light on the back of my bike, because that's usually the uh, the the light that the cars need to see that come up from behind. Uh, all right. So uh, because we were in a hurry, it started to rain. Um, I tried to step on this bike that was uh, not mine but one of the people that I interviewed gave me his bike and it had this weird uh, cruising uh, how do you call it the wheel or the steering wheel and it had this odd shape which is I think meant to be leaned upon so you can curve your back and and be more i don't know aerodynamic or anything the thing is and it had a very small it had a set of small tires much smaller than my bike and so i uh i stepped on the bike and the the wheel the front wheel kind of folded and and uh, I felt my my wrist uh, slip away, and at the same time the the back wheel was slipping away in the opposite direction on the muddy road that we were standing on, and I came crashing down on my left wrist, and immediately uh, felt that uh, this was not a good idea, <laughs> and uh, during uh, the way home it started to swell up tried to cool it with uh, a soda can from the fridge and thankfully I didn't break anything but it did hurt for a couple of days and then it's very strange uh, it, it, it started to turn blue after two days so I got this nice smurf color on my, on my left wrist so that was accident number one today as I said at the beginning of this episode I got hurt <laughs> I got some cuts in my right arm while feeding bears. I'm not kidding. So <laughs> what was I doing? I was filming at a zoo. 
and uh, this is the, the, the Burgers Zoo. It's literally called Burgers Zoo. It's a family name because the zoo is has been run for about a hundred years, a little bit more than a hundred years, by the same family. And I was getting a tour by the current owner, who is the grandson of the of the person who started the zoo. It is in the middle of nature um, on a hill which is really nice. So you're in the middle of the of the woods and they created all these different paths and because it's on a slope you never really see the entirety of the uh, of the zoo, of the, the compound which gives it a real cool like discovery feel the reason that i was interviewing the current owner is that i got a tip from father henry i was still looking for topics and one of the topics that i want to uh talk about on my show from time to time is uh the catholic uh well you can't can't really call it doctrine but it's the, the, the Catholic advice or recommendations when it comes to how we treat nature, how we handle God's creation. Um, and of course, as you know, this is a very near and dear to Pope Francis' heart, who talks often about our duty, our moral obligation to preserve the earth, not just for us or for nature's sake itself, um, but because we are dependent on this, on this earth and so are the generations after us. Um, the environmental destruction that is uh, caused by us often um, has the most dire consequences for the poorest of the poor. And Pope Francis always tries to show how you can't separate uh, the, the care for the environment from the care for the poor. And our economy, our entire system that we, uh, that, we, that we enjoy and the fruits of creation are dependent also on the way we you know, our entire attitude. Um, we, we are inhabiting this planet. It's a gift of God, but it's not something that we can just continue to destroy and use as if it has no intrinsic value. And so this is very much part of the uh, general view of Pope Francis that really wants to counterbalance the, the common attitude of... Uh, utilitarianism you know something only has value when it's useful when it has value for me and we also do that towards one another where we we treat people as if they are just machines in economy you know just uh commodities um instead of valuing a person for what he or she is we see it in the way that we look at other countries um, the, even the, the balance in, in world politics and world economics, are, are we truly brothers and sisters? Are we treating each other as brothers and sisters? Or are we just using each other? So, 
ample material for uh, an, an episode with uh, someone who is from a Catholic family, um, who uh, is also um, a supporter of, uh, of, of some Catholic causes. I remember that Father Henry told me that uh, the family uh, sponsored uh, young people that wanted to go to World Youth Day. Uh, they also helped with the restoration of a church in the center of Arnhem. And so I, I, I didn't want to uh, make a portrait of just, you know, Catholic zoo owners, but go more in-depth about the what's at stake right now in our world and how someone who runs a zoo, so he's very much connected with the care of animals and the care of, you know, to trying to create a certain balance, even though it's in an in a artificial ecosystem inside the zoo, how he looks at these topics and these issues and how what we can learn from, uh, from, from the, the care of animals, uh, how, how, how a zoo, for instance, can help us learn or relearn how to appreciate things and how to just marvel. We At one point we were, I was interviewing him in uh, the, um, uh, the aquarium section and they had this huge transparent wall with the sharks swimming there and uh, just amazing. It was already evening so the lights were dimmed, there were no people there. It felt as if I was floating in the sea and uh, Hold on. I'm going to take a look at my map here to see where I should go. I think I have to go to the right here. Uh, yep, exactly. I remember this is the field on my right where the soldiers landed during World War II in 44, 1944, when they tried to liberate the Netherlands, but they failed to do so. They got stuck at R&M. This is the story of the rich too far. Here on my right, this is exactly where they landed with the parachutes. And unfortunately, because it didn't work and many soldiers lost their lives, we got the hunger winter and it took another year for the Netherlands to be liberated. Um, So uh, it's a very special historic uh, site here. Even though if if I look at my right, on my right, it's just, you know, fields. Um, with uh, grass and, 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 and yellow flowers and some trees in the distance. A perfect landing spot for parachutes because you don't get stuck in trees. And this is also the road that leads back to Wageningen. So we were uh, standing there in front of that uh, big underwater sea aquarium. And, um, and he said, you know, this is all about learning, relearning to marvel at things, to, he said, we could do, we could choose to be like, um, I don't know, these big attraction parks, like type, Disney type, you know, where everything is about spectacle and has to be super impressive. He said, some people, if they would run this place, they would put like 50 sharks in here. We only put five in there because, first of all, we want the fish to feel at ease we want a natural balance instead of you know having to overfeed the shark so they won't eat the precious <laughs> fish etc but also 
is that when you see children watching here at first, they just see this kind of dark water and it's not very uh, clear water because of course it contains all the minerals and whatnot. So the fish, when they swim at you, they really appear from the darkness. And he said, if there is a shark that comes close, you see these children like, oh, a shark. When there are 50, you react differently. You're like, oh, just another shark, you know. Why Why aren't there more sharks? <laughs> so he said this, this area, what he tries to do with this park is to learn people to to marvel at the simple things. Another example was when we were filming, this was the last part of the interview, in a tropical environment. So it's a, a dome, a huge glass dome that they built over um, an artificial uh, tropical forest. Is that <clears throat> we have tons of birds, but you, you hardly see them. You have to really walk around here and look carefully and then every once in a while you will <clears throat> you will spot some weird bird and it's this surprise this this you know genuine joy when you discover something that is something that he hopes people will sense and that they always you know this is not old fashioned an old fashioned zoo where you just go from cage to cage and then you know it's like a stamp collection. He compared it to a stamp collection, you know, where you would just try to compete with other zoos by having the most rare animals all locked up in cages. He said, we try to approach a natural environment for these animals so that you feel as a visitor that this is a system, this is, a, this is an organism almost, uh, not uh, one with conscious, consciousness, but... <clears throat> These species that live inside this tropical environment all depend on one another. There is a certain balance. And you are, as a visitor, part of that. You're, you're not above it. You're not less than this. I mean, uh, mankind has a very special place. <clears throat> we're, not, we're not, you know, muscles <laughs> or something like that. But we do... Even though we have a special place in creation, we still are, at the same time, part of that creation. And we need to respect it. That's another thing that he said. You know, what I hope is that people learn here to be in awe. And from that grows respect and a certain care. You feel like you're, you're confronted with something that has intrinsic value. And you are not supposed to just use for yourself, as if it's a commodity, as if it's an economic good, and well, you know, stuff like that. It was wonderful. Uh, really, it's funny that at the end of the uh, day, at the end of the shoot, uh, I realized that there was not a single moment that we explicitly talked about faith or about the Bible. I mentioned Pope Francis, but just in passing. And at the same time, I think the message was very Catholic and very much about what I think the Bible teaches us. And it is this, this awe, this respect for creation that God has given us. And also, uh, just as Adam and Eve were 
were tasked with naming the animals. It required them to look at the animals, right? To marvel at those animals, to come up with a, with a name, so to give a certain individuality to all these creatures. That taught them to see God's love and the creativity of God in all these different life forms around them, which gave them a much more specific or more concrete um, uh, admiration. Wow, this road is going up. Hold on, i got to switch to a lower gear here. Whew, I wouldn't... You can't tell, but this is going up and up and up. You know what? Since there is some traffic coming from behind, I am definitely going to step off my bike here for a sec. Up. There we go. Let's see if my backlight still works. Uh-oh. No. It doesn't do anything. I think the battery's dead. Wow. Okay, this is not good. Because it is really getting dark. Uh, fortunately, I'm only 15 minutes away from home. And it is not entirely dark yet. I, I don't think this is smart. I should have started a little bit earlier. Uh, back on my bike. Oh, boy. <laughs> Try to start from zero and then go uphill. Ugh. Now, of course, in my defense, I have been working a full day. <laughs> and I've already uh, been on this hill before. So, uh, and that is what I, what I truly loved about today. It's about making uh, a Catholic program that is in, infused with Catholic values without going over the top, without having to spell it out. Uh, for me, this is, this is a, a very um, low-threshold way of sharing my faith and the values are connected to it with, with the large TV audience that I have. And about those bears... Because <laughs> I know you're like, oh, you're just teasing us. <laughs> How do you... Did you step into a cage with with bears? No, I did not, of course. But uh, usually what I try to do in every episode is to have a bit of... Um, uh, a, 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 an item or part of the show, part of the episode, I should say, where I actually have to do something. I take the viewer with me and engage them. And so uh, one of the caretakers of the animals took me with her for an hour and I was tasked with feeding the Malaysian bears. They look super cute, but they're lethal. <laughs> very, very strong, very dangerous. They've got big claws. So she uh, brought them inside for a moment and then I had to uh, feed the, or prepare the food. Now what they do is very similar to what modern uh, trainers of dogs and, and cats also do. You know that if animals live in, a, in an artificial environment where it's much smaller than their usual environment, you don't want to feed them at the same time every single day and just deliver them on a plate and make it easy for them. In fact, you have to, and this is good for cats and for dogs, you gotta challenge them a little bit. You give them small portions at 
uneven times of the day because that's how nature works and normally especially these bears of course and now cats and dogs are domesticated so it is slightly different but not entirely different um they don't eat at the same time they don't eat food from a plate no they have to hunt for it they have to they are often challenged to find food and so what i what i did was i went into the the uh enclosure which just looked like a a big uh like an island full of rocks and, and big trees that they climb and uh and i got a bucket with literally dog and cat food mixed together dry food and uh a big bottle of honey just real honey and some packages of jam and i had to hide the food and smear smear the honey and the jam on the branches and on the rocks and uh, she asked me to make it challenging for the animals what it does is it it stimulates them it becomes almost like a hunting game for them and they challenge each other to get to the food first they have to look under under rocks they will climb onto trees they will they have very good uh sense of smell of course much better than we have and so they will just lick the honey from the trees <laughs> but of course i had to put it all there so they she gave me a pair of gloves and i had to climb those trees <laughs> climb over those rocks and try to hide the food and anywhere oh i gotta cross this road here uh this is where am i oh i know this road this is if i continue this road i'll actually arrive at benicom but since i don't live there yet i have to turn to the left and then go in the direction of wageningen here uh, yeah, I think I know the road from here. Oh, wow, it's getting very dark. I'm now in the woods, so I'm super grateful for this. Uh, you know what? Let me just... I'm going to put the... F- I'm, so I'm using the phone uh, to guide me, but uh, let me see. I go straight on, and then I go to the left, and then I go to the right. And I should be able to find it. You know what? I'm going to put the phone in my pocket because I feel like I need to hold the steering wheel with at least with one hand. <laughs> I, I have no more wrists to... No more arms to hurt. <laughs> so, um, so... And while I was climbing in those trees or those tree branches, um, I, uh, I scraped my arm. <laughs> and at first I thought it was jam because it just looked like... Uh, like the strawberry jam that I was smearing on, <laughs> on those branches. Uh, but it turned out I, uh, I cut myself. So, no, it was not caused by a bear. <laughs> it's just my own clumsiness. But then the reward was awesome, because then I got to see the moment that the bears were released. And, wow, that was so much fun. I, I deliberately tried to make it turn it into a bit of an Easter egg hunt, so I had like small pockets of food hidden on top of a tree or in a crevice of a tree trunk. And I was just stunned to see that they exactly knew where to, where to go and where to look for. <laughs> like I put honey on the bottom of a, like a hollow branch. And so you could see one bear and he was 
stretching his tongue in order to reach the honey. And it was, wow, I felt like Mowgli, you know. <laughs> this, this was like the Jungle Book, but then in real life. And it gave me so much joy to see how those bears were, you know, <laughs> were getting served at my table. That, it was wonderful. Anyway, so a, a really fun day, very gratifying. This is, this is one of those days where I'm, I'm so grateful that I can do this work. And even though I know that this is my last season and next year there will be another show and I don't know yet if I will have, you know, if I can do the same work as I do right now, what I do know is that I can continue to make these type of programs. And because I love sharing this stuff and it's so much fun and it is trying to, to tell the, uh, the story of my of what of of my faith, the values in which I believe, um, but to tell that in a way that is uh, that is approachable, that is understandable, relatable, and fun above all that it must be fun. And if I'm having fun, I'm pretty sure that my viewers will also have fun. So um, definitely something I want to continue to do even after this year but for now I'm good I have filmed um, let me see we were supposed to film 12 episodes and then I would add 3 compilation episodes based on material that I shot during uh, some of my summer holidays and I had one you know like backup story of a vacation in France, but unfortunately, we're going downhill, so I don't have to bike right now. We're going really, really fast, so I hope I will not fall because then I'll break all my bones. <laughs> but um, I was supposed to film 12 episodes and make one episode about Italy, about a Saint. Um, uh, Saint Saint Anthony of Padua, uh, Saint Clare and Saint Francis, and then two more that I filmed in in Spain, uh, an episode about Sevilla and another one about the east coast of of Spain and its religious history. So there was lots of good material. The the, the material I still had left over from France was not well. It was good, but it was just not much. So. That's why I initially wanted to film 12 episodes. Unfortunately, the, the, the last episode that we were supposed to film uh, this Friday got cancelled because the person that I was going to interview um, had an emergency or a family, um, uh, someone who was hospitalized, and so he wanted to postpone it to, uh, to July, somewhere in the second half of July. And I, I thought about it. I was like, I, I would love to interview this guy. I like the topic. But I am, it's, it's like you feel that at one point you're ready for the next phase. And so mentally I've been preparing, I've been kind of like pushing myself to film all these episodes in batch so that from now on, starting next week, I can step into a rhythm of editing and making normal hours. Like right now it is, let me take a look at my watch here, it is half past ten and I'm still working. <laughs> well, I'm chatting with you, but technically 
that's part of my work. Um, this is something I can do for a short time, but I know that it is much healthier for me. Um, and better for my creativity as well to, to return to a normal working schedule where I wake up early, I go out for a run, I work for eight hours, and then I read a book and, you know, prepare some food and chat with Father Henry. Um, whereas these, these weeks of filming are so scattered and all over the place. Oops, did I miss a turn here? I think I... Oh, well. Short detour. <laughs> I'm approaching the city of Wageningen. Um, but I'm veering away from the center right now. And I'm uh, uh, riding my bike through what looks to be like um, little vegetable gardens that people tend to. Uh, there's some sheep here on my left. Oh, well. Um, where am I now? Oh, well, this is where I am. Hold on. Uh, okay, now there are two options. One goes uphill and the other one goes downhill. Guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going downhill. I'm fed up. This, the entire city is on a hill and you always have to carefully consider the itinerary. Otherwise, you're going to go uphill and downhill and, well... My legs don't want to do that anymore. So um, that's why I decided, and I'm glad that I'm assertive enough now that I can say, well, um, I'm sorry, but we'll, we'll do this story some other time. Um, unfortunately, I have to get to the next stage. And I know that that is, the, that is the right thing to do. Unfortunately, of course, that requires me to come up with a fourth episode based on archival material. So... Um, that's why I, I used most of, of this morning to, to figure out a way to, to amplify the French material. And lo and behold, I did find a way. I'm going to place this episode around All Saints Day. Uh, so November 1st, of course. And probably the weekend before, the Saturday before that. I'm going to do an episode about three saints from France that have had a major impact on my vocation and on my life. And uh, those are Saint Therese of Lisieux, Bernadette Soubirou from Lourdes, and Saint Jean d'Arc, so Joan of Arc. These three women have been incredibly important for uh, French history, for uh, Catholicism in France, and also um, culturally, they're still super important. And for me personally, they have been great examples and very inspirational. I think when it comes to St. Therese, even foundational for my vocation, I don't think I would have started the journey towards the priesthood without her. And so I figured, you know, I'll just make it personal. And the only thing is, the French material is from the middle of, from the center of France. And we went to Orléans. And of course, uh, St. Joan of Arc is known as the Maid of Orléans. Uh, she liberated that city. And there is a lot that I can show there. Uh, but it's harder to, uh, to tell the story of Lisieux because I have been there, I think in 2007, and I have not... Well, I did film something there, but it is 
filmed with an old camera and it's just I don't think I even have it on hard drive so um, but unfortunately uh, even though unfortunately I don't have recent material I do know um, some other people that have filmed there and uh, I'm just going to ask them if I can use some of their material to tell that story of Therese and I will just connect it to my own story about St. Joan of Arc and then of course St. Therese uh, Bernadette, Bernadette Subiru, we associate her with the south of France, with Lourdes, but she is actually uh, laying in rest in Nevers, which is also in the center of, uh, of France and on the road to Santiago, the road uh, from, that goes from Vézelay to uh, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port and then all the way to, to, uh, uh, to Santiago. So uh, I think I'll, I'll manage, and I, of course, have a lot of uh, footage from previous visits to, to Lourdes. So I'll, I think I'll manage. It's going to be a little bit more... Uh, it's going to require a little bit more storytelling, but that's, that's what I'm good at, and that's what I enjoy to do. So that means that I'm done. <laughs> I have all the footage... I asked Hugo to edit seven episodes. I have to do eight. And I have... uh, Or I give myself... I have much more time, of course, because these episodes will air during the last six... Well, last five months of the year, starting in September. But I wanted to finish them before I go on vacation. Um, The reason being, of course, that I'm ready also for the next step in general for my for my path my well I I don't want to call it career because it's not but my own journey in media I am ready to go and make the international productions and uh, that's going to be my main focus um, from now on and so the fact that my show is ending something I I had been expecting for years but now that the moment is here, I'm actually, I'm totally ready for it. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to uh, freeing up my, my agenda, my time uh, for uh, these, these new productions. And so that is why I vowed to be done with the television work before I go on vacation to France. Which gives me five more weeks. Um, that will, <laughs> in turn, require me to have a very steady, regular uh, working method. And uh, being kind of in exile right now, <laughs> I don't... I, I mean, I'm not renovating the house. I have got people for that. So there's not much I can do other than editing. And I, what I want to do, what I want to try to do, is to edit two episodes per week. I usually uh, need three days to edit an episode and uh, that's a little bit give and take. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. Sometimes I can do it faster. But if I can produce two, two TV episodes every week, I will still have one day of the week that is kind of a little bit slower, which will be Sunday, of course. Now, the only thing that I have to... Uh, the only thing that I think is hard is that I can't always assist uh, Father Henry 
um, who is very busy, is actually a little bit too busy if you ask me. Um, and so oftentimes people ask me, can you take over this mass or can you do this or that? Uh, today he asked me if I could do, like, uh, take over a baptism of a, a child that wants to do its first communion. But it's on Saturday, it's in the middle of the day. And at first, like, I, being the people pleaser, I said, yes, I, I still think it's better if you do it because you have a personal relationship with that family and you are preparing all these kids. You also are the pastor who does the first communion. Um, but I said, well, okay, if you can't find uh, a solution, I'll do it. But now I'm thinking, well, you know what? I have to be very careful because before you know it, my days are going to be filled with uh, pastoral activities and even though you know there's nothing wrong with that it is not my first task right now and I will have to pay the price later so uh, I it's gonna be hard but I have to stay very very uh, consistent and focus on uh, first doing my job getting that done and then I will do whatever I can but I, I need also to be careful to uh, keep the Sundays uh, reasonably calm right now. So I'm actually glad that I can celebrate with Father Henry in the International Mass, but that's it for now. I'm just going to do that. Uh, they're still trying to figure out ways to stream this, but they can't. They haven't found volunteers yet to do that. So even though I'd love to do more, I'm not going to because, well, again, it's all about making the right choices now so I can have the freedom to do the important things later. I hope you understand. All right, I'm opening the door, probably scaring away poor Arturo, who is already sleeping. Is he there? No, he's not. He's still probably walking around. He's had his food this afternoon. I'm trying to feed him also at irregular intervals. I can see if Father Henry's still awake. Oh. So take my coat off. So anyway, that is... Uh, glad I made it in the dark. Um, that's that's uh, what's going on right now. Thank you so much for uh, the privilege of your time. Have a wonderful day. Uh, for those of you that are... Uh, this is echt zo leuk. Ik heb het nog nooit gezien. Dit is de achtertuin van de pastorie die hier staat. Maar het is te leuk voor woorden. Grappig, hè? Echt waar? Oh, dit was, dit was vroeger de garage, dus dan kon je hier je auto. En dan loopt een pad en dat loopt langs het studentenhuis en dan is daar de achtertuin. Maar dus, het poortje is zo leuk ook. <laughs> These people live here for 40 years and they've never seen the, the back of the, of the rectory. So I've, never saw this before. <laughs> you have a garden? Well, I don't live here. I, I stay here. Uh, but the, 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 the priest, there is, a, there is an inner garden there. It's wow. mostly vegetable garden but yeah. uh, there's a and small it's patch full of students now because there's no uh there are students living in this house yes. and and then here is uh the, the priest lives here i yeah. kind of stay here temporarily okay. and then there are a few students that uh, study at the university as well right so. but this is it's a lot of fun amazing. yeah <laughs> of course i've seen this door many times but you don't think you don't think there's a true corridor that's exactly exactly thank it's you wonderful so you have to come back one day when it's Yes. When the sun is shining. <laughs> Have a wonderful evening. Bye. All right. So, uh, again, thanks, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. And uh, I'll be back. <laughs> Take care. God bless.